Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To learn more about who we are as a community or to financially support Neighborhood, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. So apparently we, we have no batteries in this church. And uh, in my seminary, uh, they never taught us how to make sure you have batteries at your church for, <laughs> for microphones that require batteries. So do I what? Is my volume okay? It's a rich, beautiful voice. I know. I don't blame you. You're welcome. And it's working online as well. Okay. Well, good morning all online, people. So we, um, we are starting a new series because uh, we're starting a new year. And every year, except last year, I try going through a book of the Bible. I know what you're thinking. Pitter-pat, pitter-pat, love the Bible, all right? Actually, side note, with the new year, my very first job um, as a pastor, I was a youth pastor in Amory, Wisconsin, and it was the most toxic church I've ever been in. Right? It was, but the one reason that maybe I should have stayed is every year the pastor would come up with a new theme. It always rhymed with the, the year. So it was like, we're going to soar in 2004, right? And I live for that kind of petty stuff. And so this year it's going to be, Lord, let there be more in 2024, right? Yeah? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, uh, but for, to start out 2024, because there's let there be more, um, I want to talk through the book of Romans, right? And I'm aware of the audience, the demographics of our church. There is a small group of us um, who are like Bible nerds, right, where we still find um, uh, uh, richness and life and vitality um, in the Bible. Then we have a much larger demographic of people um, who are here, who are listening to the podcast or watching online, um, that can't pick up the Bible, right? And for many reasons. Uh, the biggest being the way that people have used the Bible against them over their body, over their lives, um, so other people can have power and um, manipulation uh, over them. And that is valid, and my saying is clarity is kindness. And right now, if the Bible is not the right time for you, that's t you're totally welcome here. But you still show up, or you're still listening, or you're watching, because something about um, the, the story of Jesus is compelling, right? There's still something that we call the, quote-unquote, word of God that still brings some inspiration. And remember, the word of God is something, yes, it's, I don't even have a Bible up here. What kind of pastor am I, right? All right? It's not just like the, the, the Bible itself is the word of God. The word of God is like when you're making a meal for your family. The word of God is when uh, you're singing in the kitchen. The word of God is you uh, grieving with friends. The word of God is when you notice someone and you say, hey, nice shirt. Like the word of God is in us, right, because God is in all things. Anytime that we move in love, there is the kingdom of God. Uh, it's just that this um, nuanced, complicated book of Romans um, is nuanced, beautiful, and horribly, um, I shouldn't say horribly, but also very confusing. And I chose Romans on purpose because, to me, it's the single book that has been used um, to bring trauma over people. Right, especially chapter one, verses sixteen through thirty-two. Um, this is the verse, and we're doing that next week. So, if you ever wanted to talk about um, why is uh, the church, and especially evangelicalism, for uh, a long time um, believed um, that um, God's best is for, let me just say this: any time 
that you use the words God's best is for, and it's too funny a demographic that you happen to be uh, identify with, um, you've already missed the plot on not only God, but also the Bible, right? But evangelicals have used that verse to justify um, having, uh, bringing violence, like literally, physically, emotionally, spiritual, spiritually over uh, queer people's bodies um, and lived experiences. And um, which I find, which I find, um, I can't, I can't get there yet. I have to wait for that, Chris. All right, so um, that's that's uh, uh, that's next week. But Romans also is filled with this this beautiful stuff. Like uh, later on, it says um, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, like absolutely nothing. And how many times in your life have you heard or felt or you were convinced that you were separated from God? That you felt like, oh, I did X, Y, and Z, therefore I have to catch up. I have to make up more because then I'll have access to this good and beautiful God. And Paul says it right there. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not even death. And the amount of um, sermons I've heard, especially at funerals, where they say the exact opposite. One time, Nikki honestly put her hand on my leg and says, you can't say anything. Where this uh, pastor at this uh, funeral started saying these like very very toxic things, and I want to stand up like because I imagine everyone was feeling the same thing. That's how I justify my actions, and so I, I want to stand up like you sit down, sir. <laughs> it would have been great if I would have done that, right? Because um, I I believe of what Paul is inviting us into is this thriving, beautiful relationship with God, and Romans is filled with it. So today I want to give us an introduction to uh, Romans, which um, I, 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 I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of this book. So there's two big themes that we have to consider. And the first one is um, the word interpretation. And I use the word reimagining um, because it's more filled with nuance and wonder than interpretation. But everything you read in the Bible is an interpretation. From the very first people who got together and uh, wrote these stories, wrote these books, they're interpreting their lived experience. They saw something and they said, oh, that must be God. Or they heard something, said, oh, that must be God. And this is how I relate to the, uh, the ground. This is how I relate to my sister or my brother. This is how I relate to the earth. This is how I relate to God. And they have this interpretation and they share it. Now, once they wrote it down, every time you read that interpretation of their experience, you are interpreting their interpretation of an experience. And as a reminder, we have this many, and if you're listening to the podcast, I'm holding up a zero, uh, original documents of the Bible. Any letter, any document, we have zero original ones. So everything we're reading is still an interpretation of interpretation of an interpretation, right? And even better is when we read the Bible for ourselves, in real life, we're making an uh, interpretation. We get to reimagine. And this is what Paul is doing in Romans, right? Paul uses... Um, he references the um, Hebrew Bible, or what we call the Old Testament, more in Romans than any other epistle. And for Bible nerds, reminder, there's only seven authentic Pauline epistles. The other five, six, more than that, right, uh, were written, uh, many scholars believe, by uh, a group of um, men, imagine that, um, because of the story of Jesus, people actually started believing what Jesus is saying, saying you're included, you're good, you're wonderful, and that included um, lower class people, that included women, and they started believing it, so they started moving it. And that was going to cause some trouble, especially in uh, Roman culture where there was uh, a way of being, a way of existing where the men were the head of the household, 
right? And so they start writing things like in 2 Timothy of saying, well, women have to have their place. Why? Because it keeps the men in power. And so um, I don't know why I shared that all with you, but the, uh, the, the book of Romans, oh, Paul. So Paul is interpreting the Hebrew Bible um, and using Scripture as a way of inviting the, peop- the church in Rome into this new way of thinking. And that new way of thinking is that if Jesus is king, if the majesty of Jesus is true, there's room at the table for absolutely everyone. And the way he goes about it is like a, it's kind of like a trial. It's like a lawyer. Paul very much in a scholarly manner is leading up um, case by case, point by point, leading to the end goal, which is there's room at this table for every single person. And the reason that this is so important is um, that the way that we read the Bible matters. The way that we hear the Bible, the way we think about the Bible, because it's informing us how to think about our lived experience and how to think about God. And we get to do this very same thing that Paul's doing in the book of Romans. We get to interpret it. Paul is going back and saying these sacred writings, at one point we believe this to be true. At one point we, f- we believe this to be um, healthy and informative. And he's saying, now in this present day, what if we like, can have a bigger story? What if we can live a better story? What if the very things we hold true aren't like bad or evil, but what if they've progressed? What if they've evolved? And Paul's doing that in real time in the book of Romans, which is good news because we need to continue to do that very same thing today. So back to Romans 1, chapter chapter 1, verse 16 through 32. When um, I talk to other pastors, I'm doing it again this week, um, of like, I, I, part of my advocacy work is to go to other churches on their websites. They don't make clear what their policy is when it, when it comes to um, inclusion of queer people and how that can be toxic if you're an ally or especially if you're queer or you're trans and you want to walk into that church and you have no idea of how your, um, your personal experience of your very identity is going to be received, right? That can be very, very toxic. I don't experience that as a middle-aged white man, right? I know queer people do, I know women do, and I know um, um, other demographics people do. And so I'll, I'll, I'll ask them, and they always say the same thing. They're like, why would we put that on our website? That will keep people from the love of God. I'm like, and I'm like, well, and they're like, well, Romans 1 says blah, 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 right? And they have made this interpretation when they read it as saying, well, it's really clear, Chris, right? It's very clear. Just read through it. They probably don't know that in the early 60s, the word homosexual got added to the Bible for the very first time, right? So before 1960, wasn't even in the Bible. But they have found some um, belonging in using that verse. And they say, Bible says it, I believe it. They're very certain about it. Which, and I just, I, I forgot who wrote it, but I saw it on Twitter. The guy said, it's kind of funny. The Bible says that I believe it, people. There's five verses that um, in, in the Old Testament, New Testament, that talk about um, uh, the LGBTQIA two-spirit community, all right, and what and how you relate to that with God. But there is, like, so many more verses about God telling humans, explaining humans how in a sacred and holy way how to own and enslave other humans, right? It is all over. There's, there's stories and passages of God saying, hey, I got a great idea. Let's commit genocide and kill all the animals all the babies, all the humans, God, because that's what a God would do. Paul, in one of his letters, instructs an enslaved person to go back to their master. 
even though that we don't know if they're free or if they ran away, Paul says, hey, I'm sending them back to you because this is what a holy thing is. Paul says multiple times of what it means to be sacred and, and holy for enslaved people to be kind to the masters because that's a way we can demonstrate love of God, right? I've not met one person yet that has done a plain reading of the Bible and says, Bible says that I believe it. Chris, if we're going to be biblical, we're going to have to start enslaving people, right? That would be asinine, right? But why do we not do it? Anyone? Because it's evil? <laughs> Think about that one for a little bit, right? Um, we don't do it because it's, it's, it's absolutely evil, and we, and we, we know it. So how, how can we make an interpretation of the Bible? Because somewhere at some point, a group of people, and those people have been around for a long, long time. It just wasn't until white people got on board, right, honestly, that began to say, oh, maybe if we read this book, if we read this passage, maybe, what, maybe the way we've been interpreting it is no longer the best way. And they did what? They reimagined what the Bible is saying to include more people. Not every church, but a lot of churches have done that with women now, right? Paul is very, says some very strong things about women being silent in church. And why can we read it and say, ooh, I guess we can't wear jewelry in church anymore. I guess we can't wear two different kinds of cloth anymore. We reimagine what the Bible is saying because we're going to choose people over doctrine every time. And the church is slowly catching up to include all people, including queer people, right? And why? Because we see that there is a better bigger story that I believe God has always been telling. And 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, people were telling different stories. And now we're telling new stories. And this is so critically important as we read Romans of seeing Paul in real time is doing this work, the same work that we get to do today. And we have all the tools. And why are people so afraid of reimagining truth, reimagining belief, reimagining like a theological framework? Because if you held a view for a very long time, you're all of a sudden going to feel what? Bad? Right? This, this is it's similar to people, especially white people, when you talk about racism. Right? And people say, well, I'm not racist. Like, yeah, yeah, we are in a racist system that benefits over and over again white people. And they take offense to it because they don't want to be linked to the toxic past that we have had. The same thing when it comes to inclusion and being affirming. People are afraid to say, no, no, but then I'm part of the bad people. It's like, yeah, I was. As an evangelical pastor, I said things that were not, that were evil. Even then, right there, I tried making it sound a little bit better to save face, right? When you know better, you can do better, and you can be better. And this is the same, the same thing that Paul's inviting um, the, the church in Rome to do. So it's critically important as you read Romans, as we process it, that there is new life happening. There's reimagining happening. Okay, the other big one. The other big one is that uh, the theme is that Paul is speaking to two demographics of people. He's speaking to um, uh, Jewish people who found the rabbi Jesus, just like if you're watching, newsflash, Jesus was not a Christian. Jesus is a Middle Eastern brown rabbi, right? And still is to this day, right? Um, and so there's these Jewish people that found the story of Christ, the gospel, compelling, where they're willing to believe this rabbi and orientate their life around that narrative. Second demographic of people is everybody else, 
<laughs> and they call that Gentiles. And Gentiles literally just means you're not Jewish, right? So that would mean there is this wide, wildly diverse um, uh, culture of people with different spiritualities, with different values, with different ways of finding pleasure, with different ways of telling stories, of different ways of singing and celebrating, different ways of grieving, different ways of thinking about who and what divine love is or what God is, right? So it's like the Jewish people, and they have a very clear, specific way of finding belonging and reconciling and how they go about eating their food and how they worship and how they find uh, like sacredness and forgiveness, right? It's actually, it's, it's, so, it's so beautiful, right? So you have these two very diverse groups of people, and they are worshiping together in this space. Now, to make it a little bit more complex, uh, one historian, um, uh, and th- this, is, this is debated, right? So take it with a grain of salt. But one historian, um, forever ago, they found records saying that, that what is true is that Jewish people and in Rome, there was a ton of tension. Lots. There was um, uprisings and pushing back against empire because they want, did not want to be um, oppressed or marginalized. And one historian wrote about uh, over this, this case of this person, they believe it's Christ, um, th- all that tension that they um, exiled the Jews out of Rome for several years. Right? If that is true, imagine being in this church and a group, the whole group of people, demographic people, Jewish people, have to leave. Now all the Gentiles, right, these Gentiles who found the person of Jesus compelling, they find some belonging and they start doing the way their culture informed how to do it, how to take communion and how to celebrate, how to worship. And all of a sudden, it was only several years, the Jewish people, the, another, another leader in Rome says, this is dumb, let them, let's let everyone come back into Rome. They come back, and this is where you're going to have the tension. Because you have now two groups of people saying, you don't, you, we don't do that around here. We don't do that. No, no, if you want the best of God, you do it like this. God's best is reserved for. And the Jewish people were looking at the Gentiles saying, no, 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 if you want the best of God, you have to, like, get circumcised. Right? Can you imagine getting that message as a 30-year-old man? Right? And they're like, hey, have you ever heard what Abraham did to all the men, like, beginning on? They're like, no, uh. Tell me more. They're like, well, we got good news and bad news, and they're both the same, right? And if, they <laughs> if, there's, if they're saying this is what it means to be not just included but to be holy, you could see the tension of other people saying, no, no, no. If you want to be included, if you want to be holy, if you want to find sacredness, you have to do it like us. And Paul sees this tension, and he's inviting them, can you coexist, which is such good news because we have to do this all the time, Right? Paul, I have to be delicate on this one. Many scholars believe that Paul's not asking people, if you want the best of God, you have to do, change all these other things in your life. Because what he's doing to the Jewish people, he's saying, you can hold your faith. You can hold the, the covenant of God. You can hold the promise from Abraham, through Moses, through everyone else. He's saying, but can you at least include other people? Of what circumcision really means, could it mean that it's something to do with your heart, not just your physical body? Which would what? Create more room for people. Paul's not asking the, these, these people from these diverse places to say, you have to stop being who your culture says you are. And the things you love about your culture, the things you love about your grandparents. He's not saying you have to leave those behind. He's saying when you move in the nature of Christ, which is divine love, can you include other people? Because if you ever went to college... You had to do this. If you lived in the dorms, who lived in dorms? Right? 
it is the most wild, insane thing that you can do, right? I went to North Central University in downtown Minneapolis, um, and I lived on 5 East in Phillips, yeah. And I think there's 23 freshmen, and they threw us all together with one cranky old guy named Mike, right? He was horrible, right? And the 23 of us, we had to learn really quickly how to get along or we were going to murder each other because that's every dorm room. And we all brought our religious trauma. We just didn't call it then because we didn't know what trauma was, and we believed we were all right. And it got thrown together. And we didn't drink because we were a Bible college, right? And so, so what did we do? You know how we passed the time? We broke into the gym and played basketball. Like so much breaking in and so much basketball. And it, it, was, it was fun, right? We just made stuff up because if you don't learn how to coexist, you're going to isolate yourself. Or you're going to what? You're going to say, I'm good, you're bad. I'm right, you're wrong. But when you can make room for people who are radically different than you, you can find new life. You have to do this in circles of friends, right? If you've been friends with people longer than, I don't know, five years, like with our friends, right? We have a group of like five families. Um, we've been friends since, man, 19, 20 years old, right? Long, long, long time. And um, over that time, we've changed, Right? We have changed spiritually or religiously. We have changed economically. We have changed politically. Uh, we have changed how we celebrate and what we do with our families and the things we did in our 20s we're not doing in our 40s. And we, as a group of friends, you have to learn how to coexist. Why? Because I'm going, I'm going to say this a million times, I'm going to choose people over politics. I'm going to choose yeah, I believe that. I had to say it for a minute. I'm like, did I just lie in front of everyone? Right? I'm going to choose people over doctrine. I'm going to choose people over my preferences because I, I think that's what love does. You have to do this in any kind of relationship with a partner or partners or uh, a marriage. You evolve and change. And when you go through this idea called deconstruction, um, where you're reevaluating what faith is, um, it is terrifying, it is lonely, it is scary, and it is liberating, and it's beautiful. Right, and Nikki and I, uh, we deconstructed uh, around similar times, but we did it very differently. Right? Um, imagine this: uh, I am a verbal processor, so Nikki got to hear every little thing that I was processing. Like, I don't know if I can believe this to be true. Do you think Nikki about this? Well, the Bible says this, but this guy says this, and Nikki is not a verbal processor. <laughs> right? I'm a special treat to be married to. Um, and so, but we got to go through that together, and we both changed. We both didn't land on this. It wasn't like we both landed at the same spot on every single issue. And because of Nikki's generosity and her vulnerability and her humbleness, like, I get to be who I am. I know three other um, uh, couples that I met with where, imagine this, it was the man every time. The wife deconstructed, and the husband said, that's a deal breaker. If you don't, it's not even if you believe in God or not. It's if you don't believe in God like I do, that's a threat. And they, they said, good luck, right? And they got divorced, um, which is a good thing, right? If you're going to be in that kind of marriage where someone's going to be like that, you don't want to be in that kind of toxic relationship. But I've seen way more couples, way more people who have been able to survive and actually flourish by being authentic and being themselves. So... The reason this matters, reimagining or interpreting and learning how to sit in tension is because Romans is speaking to our very life today. And as we begin to process and go through, and we're not going 
uh, I'm not an expository preacher. Expository preaching is where you go like, I, you go like verse by verse. So like week one, I take verse one. And then week two, I take verse two. That would be boring, right? <laughs> that would be a long, long time. We're going to go through um, different passages, different stories that have been complicated, that have been nuanced, or um, I believe are inspiring. But we have to hold reimagining and hold coexisting and flourishing in the midst of tension. So um, if I'm going to pray here a little bit. Um, but before I do, oh, yeah, here's what I invite you to do. This is, this is so good. I actually laughed out loud when I, when I said this the first time. In order for, like, this book to speak to our real life, I think it might be helpful for you to take a little bit of time process. Who are the people that you tolerate? Who are the people that you have to, like, like actually, like, coach yourself through, like, hype yourself through to be around, right? It Maybe it's a demographic of people that I call the one-uppers. You know what a one-upper is? A one <laughs> Weaver knows what one-uppers, right? One-uppers is when you say, like, hey, I went to Hayward, and I fed deer at this weird, like, open zoo. It was great, right? And then a one-upper says, well, when I went to Japan, uh, I got to run with the deer, and I let them feed, eat off my body, and they got to name three deer after me, right? They always one-up. Whatever you say, they got something always better. I, I, I yeah, I'm not, I have a hard time coexisting with one-uppers. Maybe it's the demographic of people that talk too much politics. Maybe it's people that don't talk enough politics. Maybe it's te teenagers, right? Nikki's just went, oh, Lord, save me, Lord. Save me, Jesus. Um, uh, maybe it's, it's people who talk about religion at parties. That's me, all right? <laughs> That's me, all right? Whatever that, whatever that demographic is, it's, it's very healthy and good to be aware of your bias. Because if you're aware of your bias, as we talk through Romans, you can actually apply it. And here's the better question. What demographic of people have to tolerate you? That's the better question. What kind of people do they have to change who they are or they have to hype themselves up knowing Chris Sauter is walking into the room at the party and is going to talk about politics and religion, right? And if you can at least be aware of those, as we talk through Romans, there's going to be an opportunity to apply it to real life. So um, let's pray. So God, thank you that you are um, incredibly good and that you make this wonderful table for all people to be at. And like what, what, what Paul says in Romans is this justification by faith. And it's not that we do something to get the goodness of God. It's that God's goodness is radiating in all things and we can wait to that goodness that we've always been good. And I ask God that you help us be able to include more people. Even the one-uppers <laughs> who are running with the deer Help us be able to be first aware of our bias. And God, that you can, through you, we can be transformed and we can evolve and grow to be more Jesus-looking people. And I thank you for the way that uh, your word is still speaking in us and through us. And help us as we continue to reimagine what it looks like to be a healthy, flourishing, Jesus-looking person. And we love you. Amen. All right. Thank you for sitting through one long introduction to Romans. And if you, you want to talk or you have questions uh, about anything, I'd love to connect with you. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.